The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hello from Los Angeles. Welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Gregoratis. And I got a story for you today, which I think you guys might appreciate. So before we get onto the guest, who is a very powerful, very cool dude that I've been wanting to have on the show for a long time, I want to share with you something that happened to me back in 2011. So you guys know if you followed any of my stuff that I'm someone who is really making an active effort to lead his best possible life. And that means maximizing all elements of my life, including my nutrition, my relationships, my workouts, uh, my mental processes, everything. I just want to be the very, very best I can be. And also I want to have the best trip I can have as a human being. So in 2011, I watched the movie with Bradley Cooper called Limitless. You may may not have seen it. It's about a guy um, who is leading a pretty average existence and he takes an experimental substance I think it was called NZT 75, if I'm not mistaken. And what this does is it wakes up his brain and just turns him into an almost superhuman due to the improvements in intelligence that, that it grants him. And I remember seeing this and I was like, man, this is my jam. This is, this is so me. I, if I could get my hands on a pull like that, I would take it in a heartbeat. So I found out later that the movie Limitless was based on an actual drug called modafinil, which also goes by the trade names Nuvigil and Provigil. And modafinil was originally created as a wakefulness agent. So it was designed to treat people with narcolepsy, people who would just fall asleep at random times. That's an actual thing. It's a disease. And what they found with modafinil is that it had the side effect of not only did it increase wakefulness, which was what it was designed to do, users also reported massive improvements in clarity of thought and cognition and memory recall and verbal fluency and a whole bunch of other positive things that are related to to brain power. And a lot of people in the community that I was involved with at the time, which was the digital nomad community, were taking modafinil. And I really wanted to take it, but uh, I couldn't get my hands on it. And then a, a year or two later, I was in Thailand and you can get pretty much anything on the black market in Thailand. So I got some modafinil from uh, a friend of mine. And I remember taking this stuff and thinking to myself, this, this is it. It was like someone flicked the switch in my brain. Not quite like the movie Limitless, but definitely allowed me to concentrate in a way I'd never been able to. And that was actually when I wrote my first book, The Black Belt Blueprint. I wrote it in about a month, maybe it was just under a month. I was working at a co-working space there in Chiang Mai, Thailand. And I had so much focus because of this modafinil stuff I was taking. I was able to crank out this book in a month and it became one of the biggest selling products I'd ever made. It still sells really well to this day. And it was largely due to the fact that that stuff, modafinil, allowed me to marshal all my 
intellectual forces and, and concentrate and turn them into this book that had been in my mind for a long, long time. So I left Thailand. I went back to life in the real world, back to the UK. And, you know, I always wanted to have the effects that I had gotten from Modafinil. But unfortunately in the UK, or maybe fortunately in the UK at the time, uh, it was a prescription-only medication. And so what I started doing was trying to replicate the effects using supplementation because you could still find certain nootropic drugs and nootropics is the, the term to describe these compounds, these supplements and drugs, which, you know, uh, have an effect on the brain. And so you could still find some different ingredients online. And I experimented with different amino acids and all these different things. I used this one Russian thing called Nupept, which was an experimental Russian drug that you could get, which did nothing except give me a horrible headache for three or four days. And um, sometimes something would help a little bit, you know, I might notice a slight improvement, but nothing was like modafinil, literally nothing was even close. And so I basically gave up on it. I was like, this is a waste of money. I'm not uh, going to keep trying this. I'll just have to, to learn to get by without it. And then a buddy of mine got me another supply of modafinil in England. And again, things started working really, really well. I completed a bunch of business projects that I was struggling to finish. And I actually used it one day in a jiu-jitsu tournament. Uh, and I did really, really well, better than I'd ever done before in any jiu-jitsu tournament. It was my best performance ever. And uh, I remember thinking, this stuff's amazing. But then I started to have negative side effects. Like one of them was that I'd get ulcers in my mouth the next day after using it. And then I'd start feeling really down, really, really depressed for a couple of days after. And I just started to realize that this stuff is not good for me. My, my instinct could just tell me and my body was clearly telling me that this stuff was not good for me. So I ditched it. I just thought it's not worth the risk. It's making me sick. I'm not going to keep taking this. And funny enough, in the movie, NZT 75 makes um, Bradley Cooper's character really, really sick. So I was like, okay, well, that's not an option anymore. And flash forward to a couple of years ago, I was with a buddy in Hawaii. We were on a, a mountain in Hawaii. I was doing research, I was trying to figure out where I was going to hold my first um, retreat. This was just before COVID. That retreat was subsequently canceled. But I was there for the, for that uh, research for the retreat. And we had just done an ayahuasca ceremony, he and I. And um, we were sitting in the in the jungle. It was, it was during the day. And we were just coming down from this experience that we just had. And we started talking. And it was this weird thing. We almost immediately said at the same time, we should do a supplement company because we'd both been talking about nootropics and how much it helped us. And turns out my, my buddy had a, a nootropic formula that he had been creating for years. He worked as a high level security professional. I don't know if you guys know how it works in the security industry, but you have to be awake at all hours to watch after your clients and you have to be sharp. And he was basically like just researching full time and then figuring out what worked and what didn't and creating this own hand poured nootropic mixture. And I took a sample of this mixture that he'd been making and I was blown away because it was the first thing that came close to what modafinil could do. I wouldn't say it was as powerful as modafinil, but it was pretty close. It was pretty close and it had none of the side effects that modafinil did. So I started buying all these separate ingredients and just hand pouring them myself. It's 10 separate ingredients that you have to like you know, put into like plastic bags and then take this handful of pills every time you want to, <laughs> wanted a dose, which was damn expensive and super inconvenient. And I just got tired of it. So we finally got around to making our own version, our fully 
encapsulated version of the supplement, and we called it BDNF, which is actually a play on the on the phrase brain-derived nootrophic factor. So BDNF or brain-derived nootrophic factor is a substance that your brain secretes that basically washes your brain of all the toxins that build up over the course of a day and help heal it and help prepare it for, you know, the rest of your life. So like, let's say you've had a busy day, all this stuff builds up in your, in your brain, all these, these toxins and, and oxidants. And then you take, and then when you sleep, your brain secretes BDNF and it basically resets your brain and prepares it for the next day. So what Shane told me is that he had created this formulation with a the number one thought in mind that he wanted to naturally increase the amount of BDNF, brain-derived neurotrophic factor that your brain secretes, which I thought was really cool. So then we decided to call our supplement the best damn neurotrophic factor or neurotrophic factor because it, there's a double entendre with that and brain-derived neurotrophic factor. So I just thought that was really cool. The product was exceeded all our expectations. It's been on sale for, uh, I think, just under a year now. It took us a year to get this product to the market. So a lot of thought went into this. We're not two people who just want to slap our own label and some garbage supplement and start selling it. It is the best nootropic supplement on the market. The reason being is that we have the highest levels of active ingredients. We've got over 600 milligrams of alpha GPC choline that's standardized to 90%. Most companies only standardize theirs to 50%, which means ours is not only is there more of it, it's way stronger. And all the ingredients just work very synergistically. So I started taking BDNF and I get almost the same effect that I had with modafinil, but none of the side effects. And in fact, I feel like it's making my brain healthier. So you guys know the drill. I always offer you, my listeners, my stuff at a discount. If you want to go try this nootropic formula, head on over to 100%, that's 100, and then the word percent, dot health, and use the code podcast at checkout or podcast or podcast 15. I'm sorry, I can't remember which one it is. Try both of them. One of them will work. And you will get a discount on that and we'll send it right out to you. I guarantee you'll love it or you'll get your money back. And uh, if you are one of the people who has been taking it and enjoying it, please spread the word. So one more bit of housekeeping before we dive into the, the full episode. My book is out, Align, The Modern Man's Guide to Health, Wealth, and Freedom. I am really proud of this. It's something that I put a lot of effort into. It's a condensation of 40 years of a very challenging, very interesting, and very hard-fought search for knowledge about what it means to be a man and to live an amazing life. And for a limited time, you can get a free copy of Aligned if you head on over to liberationmentor.com forward slash book, and uh, you can get that copy there. It's a digital copy. I'm sure you guys will really enjoy it. Let's dive into the episode with my very good friend, Desi Saran. I hope you guys enjoy this. Hey, brothers. Welcome back to the Liberation Mentor Podcast. Today's guest is a very cool dude that I met in New York City, I think, probably three years ago, uh, close to three years ago. You know, he was a friend of a friend. I needed a place to stay. I was going on a quick trip to New York City, and uh, hotel prices were absolutely insane. And a buddy of mine said, hey, let me get in touch with my friend and see if he can put you up. And this gentleman, he very kindly did. And we just, we just hit it off that night. We had a long chat and we got to know each other. And just, I kept thinking to myself, this is a real cool dude. And he told me a lot of his, a few of his stories. And I was like, man, this, this guy's got some wisdom to share. So I invited him on the show, Mr. Desi Saran. Thank you so much for coming on brother. 
Thanks so much for that that intro, Nick. You know, it's funny when when you stayed over. That was, I think, about three years ago, maybe mm-hmm. maybe two and a half years ago. Uh, it, it feels like yesterday. And yeah, wild, right? Yeah, and it, it's just kind of like fate. We shared our buddy Chris together. We all do martial arts, and I love bringing people into my house, especially if they do jujitsu. And I, t- I told you I had seen, um, you know, some of your YouTube videos that, that I loved. Uh, the Spirit of Jiu-Jitsu is one of my, my favorite videos. So when, when Chris uh, sent it to me, I, I was like, yeah, I know who he is. I've watched his video several times. He's more than welcome in my home. And uh, that was a good uh, experience, a good, a good day. I remember us sitting out on the balcony and just chatting and, and the weather was beautiful. And, um, you know, it was a good memory. Yeah, it was. And, you know, my... I mean, we've kind of kept in touch over the years, like odd phone call here and there, but I've always thought, man, I'd, I'd love to spend more time with that guy. He's such a cool dude. And that was my overwhelming impression of you. I don't, I don't use that. I don't describe people that way often, but you're a cool dude. Like you've got a cool apartment, you do jujitsu, you're just like, you're very relaxed. You're an entrepreneur. Like, and I just, yeah, I thought this guy's fucking cool. <laughs> There's just no other way for me to put it. So I wanted to have you on the show and, and just hear a little bit more about how you came to be where you are today. So I'll, I'll just give people a little bit of a background. Desi has a chain of um, stores that sell acai and other like healthy snacks and, and things like that. And I mean, it's super popular. It's doing super well, or at least it was until this fucking Corona thing hit. But it would just blew my mind. I mean, I was when I was there, it was right when it was starting to become popular. And I think you had opened something like 20 stores in the last six months or something crazy. And I could see the amount of pressure and stress you were under. And I just kept thinking to myself, how the hell does this guy handle this level of intensity? It's, uh, you know what my secret is? Tell me. You know what it is. It's it's (laughs) (laughs) jujitsu. But unfortunately, I haven't been able to train for the past, you know, three or four months because all the gyms are closed. But, um, you know, let's, let's, um, you know, I'll tell the story. Yeah, I'd love to hear the story of how it all began. Yeah, sure, sure. So, I'm about 35 right now, and I started my entrepreneurial journey about 10 years ago. And you know, throughout uh, probably three or four years, and it was funny. That's right when I started training jujitsu. Probably when I was 25, I was a, a white belt, and I, I got pretty wrapped up in the, in the tech startup world. So I started working for tech startups, try to start my own startups, and along the way. I started um, a Paralines. Um, I owned a magazine company. I had a media marketing company. Uh, I was in real estate. <laughs> I was bartending. I was doing a lot of things to mm-hmm. just make ends meet and experiment. And I'm glad I did all that stuff because you know those were times, those were years where a lot of my friends were moving up the you know the ladders, the corporate ladders in finance, investment banking, and you know that was the route I would have went down. I have a finance background. I used to work on Wall Street, but I knew deep down inside that wasn't me. And people always ask, are you born an entrepreneur? Can you learn it? I I wasn't born an entrepreneur. I I failed a lot. Um, I spent a lot of money with failed ventures. And I think that's what makes any good entrepreneur is going through the mud, right? Going through shit, failing, figuring out what you're good at, what you're not, figuring out what what you like and, and learning and experiencing and, and looking at new opportunities. I think that any good entrepreneur has to acquire different skill sets, right? And, and it's a lot of these skill sets that, you know, they, that you can learn. You can learn from resources online like YouTube, free resources, marketing, finances, operations, 
right? But there's also a, a, a certain skill set of thinking about an idea and bringing an idea to life, right? And I, I think that is the essence of entrepreneurship, the, the ability to, to execute. And as you become an entrepreneur, you develop those skills. And then it becomes a, a game of, okay, I have an idea. Is this a good idea? Should I execute it? Should I spend my time, bandwidth, resources, capital on that? And it's amazing, like, when you start to think like that, think creatively, the, the paths that, that you come across, right? And, and there are so many different paths that will open up. You know, I think there's nothing wrong with working in the corporate world and having a job and having security. Uh, you know, I, I admit there's definitely times where I, I wish I had that too, right? Because, you know, when things aren't certain, there is no more pressure. Things aren't on you. You know, you have certainty, you have time, you have weekends. So going down that route was, has certainly been a, a difficult challenge and, and has its ups and downs. And I think that, you know, training jujitsu was a, was training for that, you know, being able to mentally absorb a lot of stress and a lot of uncertainty is, in my opinion, what makes a really good entrepreneur. Yeah, for sure. So go, going back to, um, you know, that time, it was about four or five years of, of just, you know, playing around with different things and, and trying to make ends meet with bartending and, and trying all these different ventures. And it's funny because people always ask me, how did you eventually get into restaurant and restaurant chains? I kind of fell into it. So right around, I want to say 2016, um, I wasn't working at the time. I had just finished my MBA at uh, Rutgers in finance. And, you know, I knew I, that I didn't want to go back into the corporate world. I, I ended up getting my MBA because I just, I didn't know what to do. If I could interrupt you there, Desi, what, what was it? I mean, you said you knew it wasn't you, but is there anything more specific you can, you can tell me about why you just didn't want to go back into that corporate world? I had a calling for entrepreneurship. I, I was very fascinated about tech and starting companies. To me, working in the corporate world was just, I didn't want to do it. It was boring to me. You know, I did three or four years of, of MBA school and I just, I felt like I didn't fit in in school. You know, I, I enjoyed it. And I think that, you know, people should get their masters. I, I think that for me, going to Rutgers was a great thing because the community is very strong, the school, the alumni. And today, as an entrepreneur, they give me so much, they, they back me up so much on everything. Um, and they support me so much. But as I was in school, I remember there was, there was only me and, and uh, a few other entrepreneurs. And, you know, it was like, there was always these, these clubs and finance clubs and, and these meetups and, and, you know, the networking, I just, I didn't want to do any of that stuff. So one day as, as, you know, I'm finishing up school, I'm living in Hoboken, New Jersey at the time. One of my good friends calls me and he's living down the shore down in Belmar, New Jersey. And he says to me, you know, my girlfriend and I started a, a smoothie acai stand last summer. They're starting it back up this summer. It did pretty well last summer. And uh, he says, why don't you come down, help me out. You could crash on my, on my couch. We can, uh, we, we can surf all summer and we can go party and drink all summer. And I was like, sign me up, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I wasn't doing anything else at the time. So I go down and move down with him. And one of the first things I did was I, I entered us into Rutgers Business Plan Competition, which I had entered prior, I think a couple years back and I won third place and there was a monetary prize. So, you know, we kind of, kind of knew how to win. Kind of, we kind of sandbagged it. And we, we ended up winning the, the grand prize, which was $20,000. 
So Rutgers um, had cut us a check. We immediately used that money to open our first store uh, down the shore. And that was in Belmar, New Jersey. And we didn't know what we were doing. It was, uh, we, we were hiring people to construct a place and we were building a restaurant. Oh, here, here's the key thing. The three of us had zero restaurant experience. That's the best part. Yeah, so, that's wild. You know, I guess that's how it kind of works out, right? The three of us, I think together had, had something special at that time in the beginning where I was, they brought me on as a business guy. You know, I incorporated the company. I turned it into a business. And my two other partners were the creative side and the operation side. And we just clicked. And, um, you know, that summer we opened our first location, our first store. We had no idea what to expect. And I remember opening up, I think it was like July 3rd, which the 4th of July weekend is the busiest weekend on the shore. I mean, we opened up and, and just people poured in. I mean, we were like, what, what do we do? Um, <laughs> and I, I think we had like two, two employees at the time and we couldn't handle it. We just started hiring, 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 just adapting, ordering more product. We, we, were, going, we were going to the grocery store to, to buy our produce and our, and our product. And you know, we, we eventually grew up and started learning from distributors. And we started learning the process. And I think by the end of that summer, we had opened a second stand. And another location. So we had two locations and two stands. And, you know, it was three or four months of just grinding. And it was funny because why I moved down there was to hang out at the beach. I love the beach, to, to surf, to party, right? So you do like, like you know, down, down the Jersey Shore. And we didn't do any of that. I mean, we, Nick, we were working from 7 a.m. every day to 10, 11 p.m. in the hot sun trying to run restaurants, you know, we had locations that were outside. Uh, we had stands that were outside. So we're running around, you know, replenishing product and we were spent. I remember every day we were so exhausted, but we knew that we were building something um, amazing because we had lines of people. We had a product that people wanted. There was no, there was no uh, healthy foods down the Jersey shore at the time. So it was perfect timing. And, and so many people had come to us and said, it's about time. Like people were selling, you know, smoothies and, and, and healthy stuff. And, Right. You know, there was a the combination of things, timing and, and hard work and, uh, you know, luck that put it all together. And that first summer was just kind of like our first revelation of like, okay, this could be something really big. And, you know, after that, we, I, I think we kept one of our locations over open for the fall and, and the winter. You know, while we we're doing that, we decided to, to continue to expand. And because we had such a good summer, there were, landlords that started reaching out to us from the neighboring uh, beach towns. So that next summer, we ended up opening up, I think, three or four more locations uh, along the Jersey Shore. We bought a food truck and <laughs> it, it was just bananas. I mean, how we scaled so fast within like 12 months, you know, we went from like a little stand, a little lemonade stand that, that we put together from, you know, part bits and pieces of uh, stuff from Home Depot to this chain that was uh, growing out of nowhere and signing, you know, opening up locations along prominent beaches. And um, that second summer was, was also nuts. I mean, we, we grew, we had better infrastructure in place. We had about, you know, maybe six locations open, plus several stands and a food truck. We were gaining a lot of uh, exposure. And it was like we were on top of the world. You know, it's one of those things that, that we just, we never planned, Nick. We never had a, a plan. We just... It was like, hey, let's let's sell some smoothies, let's have fun, and it kind of just grew into into what it was. 
Wild. So in total, you guys had like eight or nine different locations slash stands at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think by, you know, the end of season two, we've had, we probably had like six locations, two stands. We were still expanding, you know, I'm the business and growth guy. So immediately I came in to franchise the company. I hired a consultant and we ended up franchising the company. So for people that don't know much about it, you can, anyone can, can franchise a company. You got to hire a consultant or attorney to write up your documents, uh, franchise disclosure document, uh, franchise agreement. Costs a lot of money. These are like 200 page documents, but I saw the vision at the time. I knew that scaling and selling franchises was the way to go. And we were super early on at the time. And, you know, I got pushed back from my partners that they don't want to do that just yet. And rightfully so. But, you know, they allowed me to, to do the franchising. And, you know, we got so many inquiries pouring in and people from all over the country that, that wanted to open locations. It was really, really cool. And, you know, in hindsight, that was the right thing to do because the strategy going forward was, you know, open a certain amount of restaurants or corporate stores, and then you have to franchise because you can't open stores in like Florida or different states and, and think you're going to manage it. It just becomes too difficult. Just no way. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, I mean, I'm totally on board with you here. I'm, I'm, I just love, love the story up to this point, but then as with all narratives, there's a, there's usually a dark twist and a turn or on the hero's journey, there's usually a challenge, right? And that challenge is the next part of the story, I'm guessing, that you're going to go into. Of course. I mean, there, you, know, you can't have a narrative or a story without <laughs> drama and uh -huh. um, adversity. And you know, what I could tell you is like these years of me being in a restaurant, it's probably six years now, um, after I left my existing, my previous company, it's been nothing but adversity. It's one thing after another. And you know, the one thing I want to kind of put out there too is like, it's great and fun to grow a company. And then you get big and you know, you have these dreams of grandeur, right? Of, of growing something that's big, which is fun. It's an amazing ride. But then along comes with that is, you know, there's a price to pay. There's a cost for that. It's, it's stress, it's problems, you know, it's legal battles. So going back to the story, what happened was, you know, I think around year three, I was approached by a consultant to raise money for the company. And um, I spent a lot of year three uh, raising money from uh, venture capital firms. I had no idea what I was doing. And um, I learned along the way. And you know, along that time frame, I spent almost a year with a particular venture capital firm out of New York City, very prominent one that did deals with you know, big, big restaurant chains and big brands. And um, you know, we had a deal after about 10 to 12 months, they were going to inject about a million dollars for the growth of a company. We had discussed it amongst my partners. You know, It would have been a good deal that we didn't necessarily need the money for growth, but just to have them on board because of their mm -hmm. track record and everything mm -hmm. and, and their connections. So we had initially declined the first offer. And we were, mind you, we're going into our third season. So now we know that you know, we're going to have a killer third season. You know, we're going to make a lot of money. And we can revisit after summer right? and potentially you know, revisit the offer and, and get a higher valuation. With a stronger, a stronger hand, yeah. Exactly. And, and, you know, as my partner said that to me, I said, look, it makes sense. I spent, you know, almost a year trying to put this deal together. We have a good deal on paper, but I agree. It makes sense. So, you know, the investors came back and obviously they wanted, you know, they wanted it pretty bad. So they, they ended up doubling the offer. They gave us a way higher valuation. You know, they, the injection was a lot more. They were going to inject $2 million at this point. And 
it was a really, really good deal. It was, you know, maybe like a once in a lifetime. And myself and my two other partners, we had our own advisors, you know, so we went out to our own advisors. I have guys that have been in the restaurant industry, my own, you know, legal team and just people that I trust. And everyone said, it's a good deal. And, and unanimously, the three of us like, okay, we, we have to take this deal. So just like any good story and it, with, with drama and fashion, as we're on the 99 yard line and about to sign the deal, you know, we don't come to terms as we're about literally about to sign my, myself and my two partners. And, um, you know, I won't get into, into the nitty gritty details, but you know, there, there was a, a really big dispute where I didn't feel like it was fair toward for me. And I remember walking out of the room and at the, you know, that was a, a turning point where it was like, you know, what did we just do? We grew this business and it changed us a little bit and we're getting big and now we're making these big decisions. And, you know, it seems like as that happens, business can change people. You know, I realized I had changed a little bit too. Um, and I didn't see what I liked. So, you know, we, we ended up disputing and this happens a lot of times when you have two founders in a company or, or three, you know, now you have three partners that are running a company together. It becomes a large company. You know, the writing was on the wall there. So I took a leap of faith and I said to myself, you know what? I don't think I can do this anymore. I can't trust them. And I think it's best for me to split. And, you know, we had a legal dispute for a while and, and we battled and, and that was super stressful. Right. And she's that kind of an amount what I wanted to do. Yeah. I mean, I think when I met you, I think I had already gone through it. I had started Sweetberry, correct? Yeah, you definitely had. Yeah. You'd started your new business. Okay. So that was a really dark period of, you know, six months of being on top of the world, then deciding to take this risk of, you know, fighting my ex-partners in, in legal battles, not knowing what was going to happen. Right. And kind of being like the outcast. But I knew it was the right thing. I knew I had to do it. And what I really wanted was to, to walk away and, you know, with an amount of money. And my, my initial, I think I told you, my initial plan was to go travel the, the world for a year. Yeah, you mentioned that. And, and still to this day, that's, that's something that I want to do. I want to go travel for a year too. And there's a lot of times I'll, you know, I'll admit that I wish I did that. You know, I wish I was like, that would have been the time to do it. But I realized during that time period that I think I had to keep doing what I was doing and keep the momentum, right? Yeah. Yeah. I realized I wanted to keep growing a company. So, you know, after six months of legal battle, my partners ended up settling with me. You know, I got what I wanted in the settlement. I walked away and then I started my new company, Sweetberry. So once that happened, it, it kind of started this, this next crazy chapter of, okay, this guy walked away. He's going to start his next, you know, fast casual chain. And I told everybody that, you know, we're going to, we're going to open a ton of stores, a ton of restaurants everywhere, New Jersey, Florida, Illinois, the Carolinas. And, you know, my, my, a lot of my friends saw my success from my previous company. They immediately jumped on board and it was kind of nuts because within like, as soon as I walked and I could announce it to the public, because obviously, you know, while things were going through legal, I couldn't say anything. And we had disclosure agreements. So I announced to the world that, Hey, I'm, I'm starting this new company. People were calling me from, you know, different States and, and all over. I want in, I want in, I want in, you know, so I had investors, I had friends that, that were building restaurants with me before you know it, we were in, you know, like 20 leases. And in the first year we opened 
12 locations that first year. It was, it was insane. Wow. I can't even imagine. I mean, to put that in, pers- in perspective, you know, with my previous company, like our first year, we opened two locations. That, that was a lot. The second year was like, you know, four or five. And the year after was when I left to start from scratch and immediately just jump into it and, and put that much pressure on and, and that much construction capital. I don't even know how we pulled it off. I mean, it was just nonstop, a, a roller coaster of, of excitement. And I'm like, all right, this is awesome. This is, this is going to work. We're going to pull this off. And, you know, we had to continue raising money. We grew really fast. We got the restaurants open. We made a lot of mistakes. And there were times where we had to become the, the general contractor on our projects. And, and in New Jersey, I was the GC. I was the contractor. And I didn't know anything about construction. You know, so as an entrepreneur, like you're forced to learn these things. And I learned so much about construction. I know it's a business I'll never jump into. I have a lot of respect for general contractors. But um, that was a phase that first year of like rapid, rapid growth. Let's get this brand off the ground. Let's see if we can pull it off. And, and we did. Our team pulled that off somehow. And year two was, let's get the rest of the stores open. There was another eight locations that we opened year two. And let's franchise the company. And that was the second plan of the business plan was franchise the company because we knew that having a strong base of, of 12 stores in our first year, we would attract franchisees all over uh, the US. And that's exactly what happened. I mean, that second year, we probably had well over 2,500 inquiries from all over the US of people wanting to open our, our, our brand and our concept, even, even internationally. We had people in Kuwait, in Kuwait, yeah, that were interested in, in um, you know, setting up franchise units. So the second year was you know, growth, franchising, and growing fast, building infrastructure. And, and the lesson out of all of this is, you know, it's not a race. I think that, you know, in the beginning, this was a race to kind of catch up to my old company, to prove to people that we can do this. And, you know, a lot of, like, a lot of those things were the wrong reasons to, to grow yeah. a new company and a new brand. And I think you and I had those conversations initially early on of, of like why I was doing it, you know, and it was... I remember it was for the wrong reasons. It was because I wanted to spite my ex-partners and, yeah. and you know, prove it, you know, just stick it to people like this can be done. And, and when I realized that, it took me a little while. It took me time heals, right? And, and all the bitterness of, of leaving my ex-partners. Today, we're actually, you know, we're pretty cordial. We don't, we don't talk, we're not really friends, um, but we're cordial with each other. And I think we both, we've all moved on. That's cool. Yeah, but but you know what, man? When when I when I walked away and I dropped my hatred and my bitterness, it was uh, that was freedom. That was that was real like liberation and me opening my eyes and realizing like, okay, this is dumb. Um, let's really focus on stuff that matters. Let's 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 get all that negativity away. Yeah, there's two things in in uh, what you've just mentioned that I wanted to expand upon. I mean, the first is that that understanding that. You know, the universe is a very strange, or the, the simulation that we live in is a very strange thing. And that one of the ways it works is that if you're holding on to something, it just doesn't allow you to go to the next thing until you've let that thing go. I don't know why it works that way, but it, it does. You know, it's, I've seen it happen. Like if, you, if you've just broken up with a girl and you're holding on to resentment over it, or you're angry about it, or whatever, you won't find the next relationship until you've fully made your peace and fully let go. Um, the stuff that you were holding on to. So I think that's what you, what you got to. 
oh, that's the place that you got to, right? You, you, you're there now. You've completely let it go. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've moved on. I mean, there are no more feelings from that. There's no more hatred or bitterness. And that was a chapter in my life. That was a chapter that I'm very proud of. You know, the three of us together, there was a lot of good times that we had amazing times and, and it was beautiful. I mean, it, it was my dream too, of, of creating a company out of nowhere. It's funny, you know, I, I circle back to how I had all these different ventures, you know, for four or five years, I failed a lot. And when this happened, everything started to click, right? I had no restaurant experience, but as we were growing this company, I knew exactly what to do. And it was mm. because a lot of these failures that had happened in the past. And yeah. I remember being, you know, as, as hard as it was, not knowing what we were doing, it was a lot of good times, memories. And, and you know, during the summertime, the Jersey Shore and being able to jump in the ocean and, and go surf and just being around a beautiful atmosphere while we're doing this really exciting thing. So, you know, there, there's no more um, hard feelings on it. Those are really good memories that, that I still stick with me. People are always like, oh, I'm never going to eat at that, that restaurant in Chan. I'm like, no, you don't have to do that. Like, you know, that's something I built uh, and I'm still proud of. And, um, you know, I think that me moving on to my, my second company was at first kind of trying to prove that I could do it. But now, you know, we're, we're in a, I moved on from that um, and we're in a growth stage of like, we've built something amazing with amazing mm -hmm. people. It's fun and it's exciting. But, you know, as I said earlier, it's very, very challenging. And sometimes I think back and I, and I say to myself, is this what I really wanted to do? Is this what I'm destined to do? You know, and you question yourself a lot. And I think that for me personally, this, this isn't the end all be all. I think that I was supposed to go through this adversity. And a lot of times when, when I do, when I go through it and I'm like, okay, I, would, I, would, I just went through this chapter of legal battles. I moved on to my next company. That was challenges trying to grow really fast. It was really hard. And now I'm in this chapter of COVID-19, which yeah. it is, you know, basically throwing uh, gas on the fire. And I think to myself, okay, what, what can be harder? What can be next? How hard is this going to be? And when I get through these certain waves and chapters, I'm like, okay, it can't be as bad. It can't be as bad. And then I, I really think to myself, like, I really have to have a moment of reflection and, and say, why? Like, why is this happening? This wasn't in the cards or the plan. So here's a, a question for your perspective. And again, it's just a perspective. I'm not saying it's true or not, but there might be something to the fact that it might be so difficult because you may be not on the right path, right? And you probably don't want to hear that now because you're so far down this path, you can't really turn back. But it's been my experience in life that I don't expect life to be easy, right? I don't think anything's just a total breeze or a cakewalk, but it's been my experience that when I'm doing something that I'm not fully aligned with and that isn't a full expression of who I really am, that it always feels like wading through mud. And that when I'm doing something that I know I should be doing that is in alignment with who I am, it's not easy. That's the thing that I, don't, I want to make clear. It's not easy, but there's a flow to it, right? There's still challenges and difficulties and work still has to be done, but it's, it isn't like so crushingly difficult. It doesn't feel like I have a boot on the back of my head pushing me down the whole time. And uh, I don't know, it's just something to think about, Desi. Yeah, I, I think about this stuff all the time. For sure. I, I know that like my passion is building. My passion is entrepreneurship. And I have a fascination for, for bringing things to life. 
And, you know, in the beginning stages of my company, you know, taking Sweetberry from an idea and, and on paper to what it is today, we're a national chain with, you know, 20 locations across seven states. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, it is. You know, I can admit that, you know, food, re- working in restaurants, that is not my passion. And, and we serve amazing foods. We have acai bowls, smoothies, poke, salads, wraps. Food isn't my passion. It isn't my, you know, I don't, I'm not at home cooking and, and developing recipes. I'm, I'm growing my company. That's, that's what I love. I love growing. I love creating ideas, new, new business channels, new products. That is my, my absolute passion. And, and I think that for whatever reason... I'm good at restaurant and, and the scaling thing and chains. And it's something that I am doing now. And, you know, I always think about long-term growth. I think that this is a chapter, just like everything else. Sure. And one of the things that I've realized as well, Desi, is that what happens with entrepreneurs, it's definitely happened with me before, is that we become so identified with the business that we're building. And it becomes you, you know, like you are Sweetberry Bowls or you are whatever the, the business it might be. and to, to have that idea that, no, it's, I'm not my business. My business is a separate entity from me and it might not always be there. I might not always be involved in it and just look at it as have a, have a boundary around it, you know, or like a, a border around it. I think it's, I think a really healthy, a much healthier way to, to approach it. Yeah. I mean, and it's, and it's, it's difficult when you're so wrapped up into it, you know, especially you know, you, you've seen my work ethic and, and how crazy I am. I'm, I'm one of these guys that, that, you know, I'm at it from like 10 a.m. to like 3 a.m. in the morning. I mean, it's nonstop, 15, 16 hours a day. That's what I do. And I'm just accustomed to it. I like it. And, and I think that, and I'm always going to tell people this, I think that work ethic beats all. You don't have to be the smartest person. You don't have to learn entrepreneurship right away. But if you work hard, you can literally learn anything. You can achieve anything. And, and I've done that you know, two times here. And, and I can tell you the one factor that I have, I'm not, there's nothing special about me. I'm not like super smart or I have like these skill sets. It's just, I worked really hard for the past six years. And, and that takes, that takes a toll on you. Like I said, there's, there's a cost to it. You know, you give up, you give up a lot of stuff. You give up your uh, love life, uh, your friends, your family, uh, social life. And these are the decisions that I had made, you know, knowing that I'm in my thirties my mid thirties now. And I wanted to like really put my head down and become the person that I thought I, I was going to be or, or live up to my potential. And I'm seeing that over the past four or five years with, with my journey, you know, going back to what you're saying, is this what you actually want to do in life? You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm on this path and I'm here. And like I said, I think this is a chapter. I think that I, I will somehow power through to any adversity and get to where I need to be. I think there's going to be some point where there might be an exit or I might sell the company later on and I leave and, and Sweetberry continues to grow around the world. And that's going to be a beautiful thing because, you know, when I, when I look back or, you know, Nick, let's say you and I are traveling in like Europe or some other country and we see Sweetberry, we're like, whoa, that's, that's crazy. That'll be cool. That's like my dream. And then I can move on to whatever, you know, whatever the world has in store for me next. But Going back to what we were saying about like kind of like adversity and, and how, how hard this is, I didn't think how hard this was going to be. And, and I'm here now. And I've accepted it. And now we're in a completely different state where, where the pandemic has turned everything upside down. Obviously, it's very, very challenging for retail and restaurant. I mean, it's yeah. almost a you know, kiss of death for, for impossible a Impossible challenge. It's an, right. Almost an impossible challenge. Yeah. 
So, you know, now as, as you know, we, we're going into our third year, about to go into our season mid-March. Like this was our year of the sales were looking really good early March. We had 20 stores open. We had so much momentum. You were going to reap, reap the harvest, right? Yeah. I mean, we were winning accolades and, re- and awards from, you know, big publications like Fast Casual, QSR Magazine. I mean, we were on the map. And, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's literally... That's how life works. Our season is March to end of September. It's six months of great weather. That's when we make all of our money. March 16th or 17th, boom. The world gets completely flipped upside down. And, you know, all of a sudden, we're, 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 everyone's drowning. Everyone's in the same boat. And going back to what I was saying about, like, why is this happening? Why, why, why? There's been a lot of dark times, too. And, and, and thinking about, should I have done this or was this the right path? If I chose a different path, I wouldn't be in this situation with trying to run restaurants in, in the worst conditions. And, you know, the economy has seen it a long time. And I think about all the adversity and how hard it is now, how hard it's been over the past three months and how hard this is going to be for the next, God knows, 12 months, right? And if, if we're going to make it, are we going to survive? Are we going to power through this? And really, I go back to why and why is this all happening? And, you know, you brought up maybe you're on the, on the wrong path and, you know, you're not doing something that, that you, maybe, you may love or you should be doing something else. And, and I, I totally agree with you. I think that life's a journey of like really trying to figure out what you're, you're destined for. But I believe that this part of my chapter, this is part of my destiny. And I think I'm supposed to go through all this adversity. I think that this is so hard that it is literally killing me. But I think when I come out of this, and I believe that I will, it is going to make me the strongest version of myself that I can ever be. And I'm going to walk away with like, wow, I went through the hardest. Like, you know, a lot of people got, people got lucky and people... I never had that. I, I had to work. And every time when I do things get thrown at me and it's not just the kitchen sink. I mean, it, it could be yeah. uh, like, like an entire car or, or, you know, every, everything, you know, yeah. that's why it's going to be, that's why it's going to be all the sweeter when you finally make it where you, where you're trying to get like, that's, that's, I always say this is why like a trust fund kid can never have a trust fund kid. Sure. He gets that safety net and all those, you know, positive things that some of us don't, all the financial backing and all those advantages, but he can never have the payoff that, that you have. It's just, it's impossible. You're absolutely right. I think that I, I earned everything and I'm not talking about money or anything. I, I earned where I am, my experience, what I've done with my career. I earned it. Nobody can ever take that away from me. Mm-hmm. Money is just, you know, something that comes and goes. It's just, what I've learned is like, that it really doesn't mean anything. It doesn't define you. It's just a thing that you have sometimes and, and you don't. But being able to do what I did with, you know, my first company with like really nothing and getting a little bit lucky, but working really hard, getting a payoff out of that, putting all of that into my new company, right? And, and people say, why did you do that? Why didn't you, you know, why didn't you do other things? I said, because I'm all in, you know, this is what, I, what I chose to do. Yeah. And, you know, whether I succeed or I fail, I know that I, I did it 100%. And I knew that I built it and, and I tried and, you know, like I'd, I'd, I'll, I'll die 
you know, trying, you know, and, and that's, that's what, that's what it takes. You're the man in the ring, dude. You're the, you're the man in the ring. You're not the spectator, right? Which is, and no matter what happens, you've got to, you've got to respect the man in the ring. I've always said that. And Desi, I really appreciate you being so open and honest about the challenges that you've faced and that you are still facing. And, um, I just respect and admire you a lot, man. It's, uh, I, I don't think I could handle what you're going through. I mean, although having said that people, you know, rise to the occasion of the challenges that they're presented with, but man, it's no doubt. It's a, t- it's a tough one. It's a, you've been de- dealt a tough, uh, hand of cards, bro. But I, I have, I bet on you. You're, you're a good bet, bro. You're, but as you said, you've got the work ethic and you know how to execute and, you know, I'm sure you'll come out of this, as you said, stronger than you went in. I think so. And I, I appreciate all the kind words and a lot of people bet on me. You know, a lot of my, my, my friends, my family, investors, and you know, that's why I am where I am. And I, you know, I can't let people down and, you know, I bet on myself too. <laughs> if I were fighting, in, you know, in the ring and, and, uh, you know, I'd be one of those guys that would fight to the death. And, and so one thing, man, like uh, that's what jujitsu teaches us too. You just, you just, you keep showing up. Just don't give up. Tomorrow's another day. Tomorrow you can reset, start all over, think differently. But you have you just keep, you keep showing up, and that's it. And that's that's going to bring you to places that, or bring you to your potential. And people don't like doing that. People don't like being uncomfortable. But I hope that the people that are listening to this, it, it just encourages them to do things that they want to do, or they're scared to do, or they're just uncomfortable. Do it in baby steps, you know, because you do it, you, know, you realize, you learn stuff about yourself that like you can you can achieve anything, and you realize like who, who you really are when, when you're in these uncomfortable uh, situations. I totally agree, man. I mean, when I got to America two years ago, over two years ago, I was, man, I was, I don't want to say down and out, but I was really struggling as well. And there were times when in that first year, I remember there was this one, I was supposed to go back when my brother was getting married and I couldn't even afford to go under the ticket to go back to his wedding you know, like it was really hard. And I remember being so fucking frustrated, dude. I remember I was driving the car down the street. I was on the way to the supermarket. I was just screaming, like like screaming with <laughs> rage and anger and frustration. I'm sure you've done this many times. And then, you know, like I've looking back, I'm, I didn't enjoy that. And I sure as fuck don't want to go through that again. But I know it, it fucking made me stronger. No doubt about it. And also coming back to early part of our conversation, one of the reasons I was struggling so much, I realized later is that I was on the wrong path. That's why it was like trying to fucking wade through mud. So yeah, I guess something to think about, but either way, you're, you're a solid bet and you're going to be super successful no matter what path you walk down. If the, the people listening want to find out more about you, the first thing I would say to them is if you ever see a Sweetberry Bowls restaurant, go check it out. It's got amazing I say here in poke and healthy meals, which I'm all about. But if they want to follow you on, on Insta or Facebook, where should they go, Desi? Yeah, it's pretty simple. It's just my name. Usually my hash, my, uh, my handle on Twitter and Instagram is at uh, Desi Saran, D-E-S-I-S-A-R-A-N. And if you want to check out my company on Instagram, it's just at Sweetberry. Just spell that like it sounded, uh, one word, Sweetberry. And yeah, if everybody, anybody wants to reach out, they have questions about entrepreneurship. I, I love helping people. So feel free. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Desi. Really appreciate you. Nick, thanks so much for having me. I think if you're listening to this, the chances are high that you also had a pretty tough 2020. I know mine was definitely the hardest year of my life. Most of the people in my social circle 
struggled in one way or another. Uh, they dealt with loss of a family member or a divorce or some kind of negative impact on their mental health due to the lockdown. But pretty much everyone I know had a, a tough go of it. And whenever I was feeling sorry for myself with what I was going through, I just thought of Desi. Here's a guy who has started a successful business, which itself was a huge battle and which he had to fight for in more ways than one. And just as it's starting to get going, he's got a bunch of franchisees around the state. He's borrowed money to expand it. He has family members and friends that are taking out franchises and counting on him. He's highly leveraged, but the business is growing and it's it's doing well. And he's working like a dog. I know I spent time with, with Desi and the guy works like a machine. This is all happening and then COVID hits and the government just makes it impossible for you to run your business. Literally impossible. When I think of what this guy's been through and the fact that he still manages to maintain a positive outlook and be optimistic, it just blows my mind, right? And puts everything in perspective for me and lets me know what a what an incredible guy Desi is. And I want you to know if you're out there and it's been tough and uh, you're struggling, keep going because it is going to turn around. I promise you it's going to turn around. That's one of the ingredients when you want to become an extraordinary human being and you want to lead an extraordinary life. One of the ingredients is faith. You cannot do it without faith. You have to believe in something you haven't seen yet, whether that's your idea that you want to manifest or assistance coming or whatever it might be, you have to believe that's the, that's the ticket for, that's the cost of entry, one of the costs of entry. So guys, just to remind you, my new mastermind is starting soon. If you head on over to liberationmentor.com and you click the work with me tab, It'll um, give you three offers there or three links there. One of them is the mastermind. Click on that and you can book a call to find out if it's something that you're interested in. Also, I am working with a buddy of mine, Rocco, one of my previous guests. We're doing a relationship workshop, a virtual relationship workshop. If you want to find out more about that, there's no web page yet, but you can send a message to support at liberationmentor.com and I'll get in touch with you and help you figure out if that's the right thing for you. So, um, Hope you guys enjoyed that episode of the show. I'll be back soon with another one. Until then, peace out.